I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Better work on my tones. Let me ask you a question. Mm. Are you breaking everything in your house? Uh, yeah, chance? that seems to be part of the theme. <laughs> 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 yeah. So what are we on, like week four? We started yeah. the first week with my daughter determined to make like some cookies or something, which somehow, because of the way she did it, she made too much dough. She broke like the blender and also the food processor. Okay. Um, let's see. Monday, when we had that quasi hurricane, yeah, it yeah. kind of tore the door, our outdoor door to the balcony off the hinges, sort of. Well, that one's not on you. Which is, I, I was fixing that this morning. Okay. Um, so, a couple things. Everything is definitely breaking. Yeah. Um, so, the I one had computer that. that's yeah. kind of the lifeline for the kids, the family iMac, seems to yeah. be uh, acting up now. But no, there's also like physically smashed, broken objects all over the place. Yeah, all over the place. It's pretty funny. I, a lot, it's been happening a lot here. And, you know, I'm telling my wife in certain instances, I'm like, hey, you know, we're not, it, it, let's break less stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> Seems to be a recession coming. You can't you just know? run out and get more. <laughs> like, especially the big things, like, like, you know, yeah, we won't get into it. She's already yelled at me for a couple personal stories. This is this is already part of it. But so I won't get into the deets, uh, uh, the deets here. But yeah, we're down like a coffee pot, an oh. awning, uh, a kitchen table. I have to sand and finish now. Uh, yeah, just any number of things. And we've been getting into it about it. And she talked to her brother yesterday, and he's like, "Yeah, everything in my house is broken too." And then we deciphered that, like, nobody in the history of time is ever in their houses as much. Yeah, and exactly. The things just aren't aren't set up for this kind of wear and tear. Like, if we were here 24 hours a day, things would, would be made out of cement, metal. Like, <laughs> a there lot more be stainless this, steel. Yeah, these ornate <laughs> wood things and really nice, like, yeah, man. That's a good point. I mean... It's funny. Yeah, it's... In retrospect, it seems pretty obvious, but... uh Tell us about, you know, let us know what, what's broken. Yeah, yeah. what did you break? We're going to call this the broken intro, and uh, but I, hopefully you know, it I won't break. Yeah, I mean, that <laughs> part of it's weird, but there's other parts of this I like, you know? And parts that I think being a hippie for so long, I was prepared for. You know, like, 
like I'm accustomed to cooking like three meals a day in the house. That's right. a pretty normal thing for us. I'm accustomed to spending like a lot of time with my kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because when I'm not touring, when I'm not doing that, I'm home, yeah. you know, a lot. So, and we do attachment parenting anyway, where our kids have been sleeping in our room and beds this whole fucking time. So like that kind of stuff, I feel like our hippie communal nature has already set us up a little, a little well there, you right. know, but then in other ways, you know, we're awful. What's the balance? The thing we got to figure out is <laughs> what's like people's intake balance for, yeah, what do you call it? You know? What's the general subject for booze, oh. pills, drugs, <laughs> TV, ice cream, like all the things people are using it's to all cope? Up. Yeah, it's all up. Like we were definitely before like kind of a, a very restricted screen family. T- right. TV for the kids was on weekends. Like they could watch like, you know, my, Saturday morning, my son could get up and watch some cartoons We'd have, you know, family movie nights, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. But during the week, no TV. No TV. No tablets, no iPhones, no iPads during the – at all, really, unless we were traveling. Like that – so, the iPads are like our travel tools. Right. So that's, And that's out the window. Oh, totally out the window. Yeah, done. Yeah. Is it I mean, a free-for-all? Yeah, like he's probably half, in his bedroom now lost? on an iPad playing fucking like video games right now. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. a total no go. Before, like, right, right. We definitely have been postponing the video game thing for as long. But as you got you got to give those breaks to yourself right now. You know, oh, yeah. There's no. The, we watch that, TV that, every night. We yeah. we watch. We're like we sit down. The kids have like this little table they can sit at and watch the TV when we have dinner. We have TV dinners every night now. Wow. So you guys, you you're like you're like somebody who was off heroin, and then just like and then just the second you but, turned over, but I realize you're it's, back on the streets. It's, it's totally selfish. It's us. It's my wife and I need, but you need to like. It. Yeah, you we need just it. need to a break. We need to That's like. It. We need Bob's. Bur- it's Bob's Burgers, man. Bob's Burgers is my happy place. It's fun, fun fucking show for sure. I mean, it's like, I like that one too. Yeah. So like that. Is kind of like when we, that's our dysfunctional family. That's what we kind of like. We look at Bob's Burgers and we're like, if we, if that's what we are, we're okay with it. Yeah. I can actually, I can see you as the Bob character. <laughs> that kind of, kind of fits. Well, that kind of ties into Lizzie, our interview, because when we were uh, getting into this, she was really explaining to me, you know, when we were getting into it, kind of how, so much of these things people are doing are just like the simple triggers of their own anxiety, you know, right, exactly. the need to be productivity, excuse me, the need to be productive, the need to keep your normal schedule and do these things and stay fit. And, you know, and there's the things that are feeding that are heightened right now because we're anxious and you got to be like hyper cognizant of knowing where that is coming from and giving yourself a break. Like, our kids are little. Like, we're not going to fuck them up for good if they watch, you know, right. TV for a couple months. Right. Like, I don't know. I remember having strep throat and watching TV for a week yeah. straight, that's, sitting on the couch. That's I'm kind fine. of what I, that's kind of the way I look at it. It's like if you if they had if one of them had the flu, they could do all this stuff. So yeah, and l- unless like, you find a like a newly activated Pornhub account or something, <laughs> I think you're straight. <laughs> oh boy. So Lizzie was nice enough to uh, call into us from from L.A. 
Uh, it seems that LA is really taking a hit on their uh, bandwidth, though. Yeah, um, not doing well. Spectrum yeah, apparently has got some, some work to do out there. With, but it's I, all right. It sounds good. I had to log off because I don't know. My loud voice was probably just too much bandwidth for for her connection. So yeah. So, so Brad and his Benny. ultimate creepy Richard <laughs> Dreyfus mustache way is merely listening to me and Lizzie the whole no, time. No, I wasn't. I couldn't hear her. That was the thing. Oh, uh, okay, okay. I was listening to... All I could hear was your voice. So you were just listening to me talk was, to nobody. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. That must have sounded great. One of my favorite things about talking to Lizzie is she reminds me of my mom in the way that she just drops literary references in the middle of sentences that I pretend to know right. to not like, you know, break up the conversation and have to look up later. But <laughs> she's like so well read that I just can't keep up, but I don't want to stop the train. Right. You know, right. it's hilarious. It reminds me just of that. But she's really smart. And this interview is awesome. I think we got to the guts of a lot of a lot of the things going on right now. And she's an excellent sounding board and a lot of good advice and even delved into the concepts of us being aliens on a foreign planet <laughs> called Earth. You know, this shit got that, real. That was pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I say without further ado, we, we jump into this. Let's go. It's going on Without too much internet in L.A.? Is that, that porn hub? That I mean... porn hub thing got a little crazy? <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny that you say that because a friend of mine was like saying, we were talking about how much porn people must be watching. And then he was like, I bet that there's already mask porn going on. And then he did a quick search and it's like, yep, yeah. <laughs> there's already. <laughs> so just note to note to uh, all of ourselves, I guess that's, that's happened already. Um, yeah. I think there's just, the internet is going in and out. I noticed that the other day. So it's all good. Okay. So, one, one question uh, I want to ask is like, so I had a night, you know, March 11th, where I was home and I was uh, put the kids down and I was about to start my nightly routine of kind of relaxing and watching some basketball and doing some other stuff. And that was the night this mm-hmm. one player, Rudy Gobert, tested positive and a game was canceled right before the game. And, you know, subsequently within two days, you know, every major sports league was canceled and it kind of trickled down to the, you know, South by Southwest and the festivals. Was there like a moment for you, mm-hmm. like a flashbulb moment when, you know, you realized this was something to, to be reckoned with and start taking really seriously? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think that day, like March 11th is, is the day I had a, uh, a friend of mine, it's her birthday. Um, and so we were planning to go see the rapture who were actually playing a couple shows in LA and we were going to go out to dinner. And like, I had gotten Luke, um, Jenner from the rapture to say that he would maybe sing happy birthday to my friend who he he also knows her. Um, yeah. So it was like a big, you know, I was excited. It was a, uh, I'm pretty new to LA and the idea of like having things that I want to do outside of my house is like itself relatively new concept in LA life. And so I was excited about the prospect of this night and celebrating. And then, 
it was sort of like, okay, wow. And it's, it's like what you're saying. I mean, in the lead up to that night, it was like slow roll of like alarm. Um, so pretty, I think maybe the day before the day of we, in the morning, it was like, yeah, I don't think we should go to a rock show. Like this is actually kind of happening, this whole coronavirus thing. And maybe it's not responsible to go to a big crowd. And so we were like, we're not going to go to the show, but we'll still go to dinner. And then maybe that afternoon, it was like, I don't think we should go to a restaurant. Oh my God. Like my poor friend and her birthday and all these plans. And so we ended up just going to that night. uh, A couple friends went to her house, to my birthday friend's house and like ordered takeout and watched, you know, our mayor talk to the city yeah, right. <laughs> about yeah and it was like woo, you know i mean it felt very deflating and scary and kind of just i think sobering yes, i mean yes. like what you're saying you're, one of the things is just watching we've n- nobody alive has lived through an experience where every aspect of culture is of society yeah. really is altered so in you know 9-11, people talking a lot about 9-11 for understandable reasons. First of all, it's one city, fine. All those differences make themselves known. But it's also like the sports, like what you're saying. Yeah. Like there's no, you can't watch baseball. You can't, there's nobody gathering anywhere. or And all these lanes of sort of emotional release that we usually have from from culture, right. from like sports culture and arts culture and all this stuff, they're not there. And I think that like... Normally I would just get really psyched on, you know, I watch, I'm a big sports person and I watch like British soccer and I watch um, tennis and I watch all this stuff. Normally that's just a part of the season of my life and all that's gone. And it's just very, yeah. So the sobering moment of just being like, okay, well, everything like rock shows are over. Like, cause then of course, by the way, I mean, I didn't say this, but the rapture canceled their shows. Like it was like, Oh, we can't. So it was a, it was probably 12 hours between deciding we weren't going to go and the band decide and the venue and whoever decided, deciding that they couldn't play. And it's just like, that was kind of the day the record came to a screeching halt. Um, right. So yeah. Yeah. It's, that's pretty March 11th. Good time. It's pretty <laughs> wild. And I was, you know, uh, talking to Jeff Rosenstock earlier today, explaining that, um, you know, Gaslight Anthem was in Japan during the uh, earthquakes in 2011. Um, and that was on March yeah. 11th. Um, I literally have the date oh. tattooed on my finger because it was such a, you know, unique and life-changing wow. event for me. So for, for this one to fall oh. on the same day is really eerie on a, on a personal level, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I remember you telling me about that, actually. Now that I'm, yeah, now that you mention it, it's a kind of very significant obviously, but just the, the experience of it. Um, I guess, yeah. Wow. Okay. March 11th has some, what's, some, what's some, the weird uh, thing about getting old, accounting right? for itself. You know, like that's, <laughs> yeah. I always wondered how like certain old people could just be like a certain age and just be like, ah, I don't care. Like, I don't care about anything. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like at all. And then like, I start to think back <laughs> and I see my age and I'm like thinking about like, the first Gulf War and I'm thinking about uh, 9-11 and I'm thinking about the earthquake and I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about how the fuck I survived this long and kids and all these things. And I'm like, wow, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> that shit really is different. But, 
It's so funny to hear you say all that too. Cause like normally when people talk like that, you'd be like, dude, I hear you, but I think things are getting a little too intense in your life. You need to like go to the movies or just take it. Can you get out of town for the yeah, weekend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like maybe just let's really, really, and it's like, nope. Yeah. Like absolutely It's almost not. relieving to me in a way to know that I wasn't insane this whole time. You know, like, <laughs> like some of the looming problems that are just playing out in front of my eyes. Like, I kind of thought we're going to happen, you know, and people thought I was yeah. forever. There's definitely a bunch of punk rock people I know who are like, yeah, this is what we've been talking about for no, like 20 years. You know, like, like we knew this. I have the same uh, experience. A couple of friends of mine, uh, you know, people, uh, yeah, like uh, from, from our mutual world, like, yeah, like I a, almost immediately there were a couple of friends who I texted and was just like, "So are you just feeling incredibly vindicated at the moment? Like all the, all the, uh, all the, uh, all the sort of moments of expressing respect for the pain people are suffering, notwithstanding. Yes. Like, are you just like, yeah, yes, I know. Yeah, it's a complete yeah, yeah. mirage. Society, culture, like our institutions, like." It's not, yeah. And I think, I mean, look, there's a reason that I've always been a person who, with those friends of mine, I hear, I'm sort of, my personal views are like, I'm with you dialed down by about 70%, you know, like that's sort of my personal way of looking at the world. And that, and it's, I think I still feel that way, but it is pretty literally awesome to watch anything, uh, alter and just come the breaks have been put on everything we know overnight and that is an astonishing thing to witness and it's extreme yeah. in a way that makes yeah all my craziest friends seem much smarter well, weird. i feel like i'm you too because in a lot of ways my friends who thought this way philosophically i 100 agreed with them like i agreed with the concepts of human nature and government and politics and religion and the constructs that were like destroying us as people. And I believe that stuff. I truly do. But I made, yeah, a, I made a conscious decision to live in the world. And I made a conscious decision <laughs> to like work and make my life like normal enough that I can actually just get through life, even though I'm thinking this. Uh, and something totally. like this just illuminates like, oh, I was wrong a little bit because these constructs I decided to lean on to give myself a life of normalcy or whatever I decided was normal are falling apart. And they're also being a little exposed as the time goes on to mm-hmm. not ever really caring about me. And the, you know, you know, <laughs> like I never thought I'd, I'd see eye to eye with an Idaho militia man at all. And uh, now I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm not going to be one of you, but yeah, I get it. I get it. No one's going to help you. You're probably that's right. Funny. You know, like in the end, no one's going to help you. I haven't, that's interesting. I haven't, I'm interested to know what you feel like you've, you're sort of now, at least in this moment, feeling like you were wrong about. I can't say that that's not how, like I've been feeling more, I'm with you 100%. Like I, in that I'm also, you know, a Howard Zinn reader yeah, right. or like a sort of, you know, I'm into this sort of, not into it. It's like, I understand. Yeah. The philosophically identifying with the idea that the way that our civilization or our current society has been set up has a lot of structural problems that are ticking time bombs. Like I'm with that. And that there's, 
and and I mean the inequality element, all this, everything that um, sort of fits in with with the paradigm psychologically of someone who would be like, I just want out of this, like I want out of all of this. Like I do, I relate to that, but in the same way that you're describing, like. I don't really want, I mean, I, it's sort of like, I, I've always been the person in the conversation pushing back and going, well, okay, but that's also a cop right, out. Right. Like to me, that has always felt like the opposite side of the same coin, the same extremity coin to mix very poorly metaphors, um, that you're raging against. Like it, right. it's, it's about like you are here and you are alive and you are, uh, if we're talking about America, you're in America at the moment. And this is like you guys, I, I always found it a little offensive that it's like this idea of just bailing. Yeah. Like, I'm just not yeah, into that. Like, yeah. I'm like, uh, yeah. So that, but then, so for me, this just fits <laughs> the way that it's toppled and the sort of the way that everything that we count on to support us has wobbled is wobbling at the moment and the sort of exposure that you're talking about. I'm, I relate to, and I find that scary, but I can't, I don't feel, it's not like I ever knew that wasn't possible. It was just like, what choice do you have? Like, I still think it's important. Like a a really good example is friends of mine who don't vote, you know, like, well, but it doesn't matter who wins. Okay. Yes, it does. You know, like it does. It certainly matters. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly matters. And here's a good example of that. And I do think that, I mean, for me, at least this is a moment in which some of my beliefs in those that have come up in those conversations, I'm doubling down on them because I'm like, it really, we like less shitty leadership is better, better than fully shitty leadership, for example. And this is a moment where that could not be clearer to me. Um, so I don't know, but yeah, like, do I wish know. that, uh, yeah, I lived in Idaho in a bunker, like a little. Right. <laughs> but even when I think about it now, you know, it's like, it's laughable in a lot of ways because, you know, and it's the philosophical choice I made a long time ago. You know, when I had children and after Trump got elected, I had a real, I wanted to get a gun. <sighs> you know what I mean? Like I felt really yeah. the need, even though I was raised against it, philosophically against it. Uh, realistically, mm. I thought it was a pretty good idea, you know, and, and <laughs> I went against myself quite a few times and, you know, I did come to a certain headspace, which I minorly regret now, but which was, I've spent this long doing what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm a drummer, I'm a musician, an entertainer, like whatever the fuck I am. And now I decide to have a family. I'm not a violent guy. I never will be. I'm not violent. I'm not uh, drawn to it. I don't enjoy it. I was raised in a house where I wasn't even allowed to have G.I. Joes, for Christ's sake. Um, <laughs> so the idea of becoming one of these people is terrifying to me and and also a little Sisyphean in the idea that like, okay, some guy who doesn't know what he's doing at all is going to buy one gun and something significantly is going to change. Like, you're probably better off not getting the gun and living the next 20 years of your life not nervous. And it is a, a laughable <laughs> part about the Idaho militiamen, too, is the idea that, like, you could go up to Idaho and find 14 dead people from a virus on top of a pile of munitions at this point <laughs> is kind of funny in a way, you know? The, they're like, what, are they going to shoot the oh. thing? Like, um, 
So, well, that's you know. why it's such a profound. Yeah, I mean, that's why the the thing, the enemy that we're facing. I mean, when the, the, in the first week of this, I was like elated, like I can't explain huh. it, and I felt guilty about it because I was just like, "This is fucked up. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, do, this is not something to be." I mean, my entire we can get into all that, but like, it's. I mean, financially, it's a complete disaster for me and everyone I know. Like, it's not, this is, there's all that there is. It's not like I'm someone who's escaping. I'm escaping in the most meaningful ways, at least so far, the worst pain being caused by this. But it's not like it's, it's not like I'm cool. It's not like I'm good right now. It's not like there's, this doesn't, you know, so, and yet I was still just like, in this state of wonder about the kind of Shakespearean majesty of the universe's choice to have this yeah. be the thing that happens right now, sure. because it is, it feels like, it feels like literature. It feels like dystopian sort of like, um, kind of witty. There's something almost witty about it because to your point, like all these things we're arguing about and all the things that, whatever left right people are arguing about and what what's happening in our government and all this stuff it's like you cannot like the fake news element it's like you can this will kill you whether you the virus does not decide the virus is not interested in your opinion about science um it's just gonna kill you if you get it and you are you could kill you if you get it and um that the the kind of like plot twist of that as a writer and as someone who thinks about story a lot was just sort of astonishing. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't, and you're the, the description you just gave really made me think about that. Like, right. Like this, these illusions of safety, but then it sort of went into these bigger questions about like, when you talk about guns and why people buy them and then what we, if you're not a gun person, which I'm not, and you're not like, what are the, what are the things that we do to provide ourselves the illusion of security? Um, in life. And I think that's really what it's about. It's like, this is, and this is where it makes you turn to whatever spiritual practices you have in your life. Like you do, you're not in control. Like you're not, and the person who's buying a bunch of weapons to protect themselves against whatever is do. That's just one response to the same thing that is in me that makes me, um, be a workaholic or like, like yeah it's just a it's an attempt to deal with the fundamental like lack of control yeah. that we have as the humans same black this hole life. that every human has yeah <laughs> totally yeah yeah um, well, i yeah, totally so, so it makes you feel less crazy i actually had a fairly yeah. similar response um that i haven't been able to okay, talk to right. a lot of people about cuz it does it sounds nuts <laughs> but Um, yeah, there was a part of that for me too. I mean, if you're basically like a student of the human condition, you know what I mean? And you really like Mm -hmm. study people and are interested in people and interested what happens. I mean, there's not many times you just get, uh, real life data, you know what I mean? Like in front of your face about like (laughs) what's happening, what people are really like when you strip back all, you know, like, like this is the realest stuff you could get. And it is wildly fascinating. Uh, And even just as a person who gets bored really easily and stuck in ruts (laughs) and stuff like that, which I have a tendency to do, like, you know, all of a sudden my life kind of being turned upside down is kind of my style. You know, I think I've actually been doing this to my own life periodically, you know, as like a response to, to my own, um, 
uh, ruts I get myself into. Stagnation. Or, yeah, yeah. 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 So there yeah. is a strange part yeah. of it like that. Like, even though it's terrifying and looming and we have no answers, it's different. Uh, and, and it's <laughs> well, interesting. And also, totally. Know? It's different, interesting, and terrifying, and and whatever other word you said, and we have no answers, is already what you're living in. Like, that's... The, so yes. that's part of it, too. Yes. It's, it's not... It's revealing... It's forcing every, it really feels like a social yeah. experiment. Like I have one friend real out there who likes to, I don't even know if he really believes this, but he basically operates from a philosophy that we are an alien experiment. Right. Like humans are an alien experiment and that we're, they're watching us. And this is just, and I thought the Truman Show type yeah. of notion uh-huh. of what existence is. And I thought about that a lot because it is just, I mean, whoever, like if that's true, it's like, interesting move guys like this is fun i get it like this is what are they gonna do like what is what are the what are the the beings that we've created down there are gonna do now with this and and watching that is it's it's as if the feeling for me at least in keeping with what you're saying is like they weren't getting that this is the situation you're already living on on some level. So we're just going to amp up the extremity of the reality they have to face every day. But it's all, every human is now contending with these big questions um, that are there all the time, but are easily ignored in a kind of like by in, in our country because of consumerism and like distraction and all the stuff that we do to ourselves so that we don't have to think about them. Um, And now it's like, yeah, we're going to make you sit at home with very little to do in a state of fear um, and wonder right? and then see what you do with that. Um, so it's kind of a move. Like it's kind of, that part is interesting. <laughs> it is real life data about to quote you about what, what we'll do with ourselves. And I feel like I'm observing myself. Like you probably feel this way too. Like yeah. never been more self-aware. Like I don't taking, think. Yeah. <laughs> what am I going to do with this? you know? Um, and yeah, that's a, the writer George Saunders, who I worship was on this very good new podcast that Cheryl Strait is doing that you may have seen. Um, it's, it's on the times is app, but they, she, so she's interviewing writers, um, about like how they're handling just what's, what are you doing right now? You know, like what's your, how are you processing this? Um, and he was talking about this really struck me as true. Like I have felt all this pressure to kind of be more productive. Everyone I think is feeling this way. Like you need to make it look at all this time. You're going to have to make all this amazing stuff. But anxiety is a, is a um, sort of calcifying. Isn't quite the right. It's a frozen state. Like you don't feel the flow of creative inspiration when you're anxious. That's not a great place from which to make art. So I've been kind of torturing myself about like why I'm not being more productive and stuff. And George Saunders, who's this amazing writer was basically just like, yeah, now's not a time for that. This is a take notes. Like you got to just observe. This is an obs. This is a deep exercise of observation on what, cause you're not going to understand it from here. So like the point is to feel right. 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 Like the productivity thing is like, Yeah, that's the anxiety's yeah. reaction, not the exactly. yeah, not the human interaction. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one hundred percent right. I think uh, your anxiety is the one raising its hand and being like, "Make more right, stuff," right, you right, know? right. And like, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, it's funny too. Like I, I've thought about this aliens thing quite a bit myself, and it, you know, it makes sense to me as much as anything else. Like I haven't ruled it out. You know, I mean, our basically, you know, our inability to coexist with our environment has led me to the idea that we may not be from this planet. Like I could see it. Um, but the one thing I wonder about those scenarios and the same concept in religion is like, if these aliens or if God created us, they created us with this sense of self and this sense of conscience and this yeah. fear of death and this, you know, all these things that come implicitly with being a human. So if they're literally like running experiments with viruses rather than like mm-hmm. telling us what the fuck is going on, these powers are really <laughs> sadistic, you know, like just yeah. not fucking cool because, you know, like <laughs> if, if you know the struggle I'm going through in my own head, being that you created me, like that's just fucked up. And there's a way easier way to do this, isn't there? I don't know. There, but but uh, you have some you have some uh, words for your maker then you have some things you'd like to address. You know what? I don't have words. Like some, I know. have questions. <laughs> I'm not trying to lecture it. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to know. I'm trying to know where their heads at. You know. Um, You're like I just few quick questions yeah. before we get into uh, the just what are you yeah, thinking like, here? Yeah, I mean, I what's, think yeah. what's the impulse here, guys? You know. Uh, um, but so let's backtrack a little. That's I know funny. you're you're a yoga enthusiast. You have been for a while, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. I feel like now because of the the bevy of things we just talked about now is a good time for people to exercise Mm -hmm. some some mindfulness or some breathing or you Mm -hmm. know stretching things for your body like what what's a good um a tip or or a resource that somebody looking to get into something like that could use yeah totally i and it's funny because i haven't my yoga practice has changed a lot over the years. And since I, I haven't lived in New York City in quite a while, and that's when I had my most sort of like rigorous asana practice, like actual movement practice. And it this time, just these last couple of weeks, I've been quarantined essentially for, gosh, yeah, like a month, a little over a month. Um, well, yeah, it's April 10th. That we're that we're on which we're speaking, and it's been since March 11th. So there you go. Um, and I have noticed that I'm like, oh my god, I have to do yoga now, like asana practice, like actual movement. Um, and I've been using. It's been really cool. That's one of one of the. There's a lot of. I wouldn't say silver linings, but there's a lot of like surprising sources of joy and pleasure that have also been revealed to me by this experience, and that's one of them. Like just the clarity of like, I need to practice yoga right now. And then going and finding, cause I've always been kind of snotty about streaming yoga. Like I just, I think yoga is about community and being in a room where I can hear and feel other people right, yeah. is a big part of what the practice sure. has been for me. Yeah. And so not having, I've just never done it. Like there's lots of good streaming services for yoga and within, with a couple exceptions, I've never been into it. I've been like, nah, I don't want to do that. So, okay. And I, but then I'll also complain that I can't find classes <laughs> right, that I like right. wherever I am. So I'm a real, I'm a real treat in this area. <laughs> and I've started um, streaming out of necessity. Obviously, my studio in New York, the one I practiced at the most in the end, was Laughing Lotus. It's called Laughing Lotus, and it's an amazing. That's where I did my teacher trainings, and 
it's an incredible place and I really miss it. And they have an online streaming service that I've never really used. And now I'm using it and it's great. Like it's all my teachers from, from it's nostalgic for me in a certain way. Cause it's, it, so it feels like homey and familiar. Like these are people that I know who are, but they have a big log, a backlog of classes that have been taped and recorded from, you know, for over time. And one of the things I like about those, I've also gotten into doing with my, probably my, one of my favorite teachers is Allie Kramer and she teaches at Lotus among other places, but I've been doing some live streaming stuff with her. Her classes are incredible. Um, and she's also doing some like Ayurveda and kind of mythology lectures with classes. You have time for all this now. So that's been good. But one of the cool things about, the streaming ones on Lotus's website is that they're from before. So in one thing that's been surprising is just, I notice when I log in and I'm like, I'm going to pick a restorative class from, you know, whatever, I'll just pick a restorative class on, on their database. And it's like from February of, you know, a year and a half ago or whatever. And it feels so nice to see people not, worrying about this yeah. or not talking about it. it's like this little time capsule that's very soothing in that way too like they're they're almost visiting you from a past where this isn't acute it's not there yet there's something really nice about that it's the same way i feel i've been watching a lot of mark Wahlberg movies i don't <laughs> i just want to see like action movie mark Wahlberg, denzel washington like my friend um Andrea was saying, we were talking about how it's like the Cuomo press conferences. Like you just want a kind of like mafia daddy to come in and just be like, I've got weapons and like, I'm, I'm maybe not even the nicest person, but I'm going to take care of this situation. Like that's very (laughs) soothing. Um, I don't know. I I, I don't, I don't know that that really connects to the yoga practice, but it connects in the sense of like, um, yeah, a feeling of like, being able to be in a fantasy place and weirdly the weirdly being able to kind of like visit past yoga experiences that other people are having and participate in those from the present is like that, um, which I didn't expect. Um, so, you know, that's my wreck is like, Ali Kramer's yoga and Mark Wahlberg. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very interesting combination. That's where we are. I mean, I'm also surprised <laughs> to hear Mark Wahlberg and Denzel in the same set because they're very yeah. different actors to me. I mean, I know they're both oh my God. Know, they're, strong alpha male types, but one is really good and one is not that good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to blow your mind right now because what you need to go see immediately then um, is Two Guns, which is this movie that they made together. And um, oh. it plays on that exact it's like literally a film an action film about what you just described <laughs> like basically it's about that perception of these two actors like there's this great um john gregory dunn said in i think it's from this book monster which is about the it's like a just it's a classic book about working as a writer in hollywood and about okay. the studio system which i read when i first moved out here and he talks about how it was either him or Joan Didion um, who talked in that book about, or who say in that book that mo- there's movies that are just about movie stars. Like there's a plot right, and right, stuff, right. but sure. really it's like, this is a movie about two movie stars. Um, so this two guns <laughs> is a movie about two movie stars with 
the description with an awareness of the perception of both that you just right, right, right. played out. I feel like there's a, a strong opening here to watch four brothers and two guns uh, back to back. <laughs> I think this could be a lot of fun, you know? <laughs> you know what? They say that you're supposed to survive this by creating structure and routine in your life. So maybe the structure for this week is you just only watch movies with numbers in them. What else we got um, right off the bat? 187 featuring uh, Samuel Jackson. Um, what's what's um, that one where Jim Carrey's stuck in the hotel room? Uh, oh, that's I didn't see that. Number. I'm thinking of 310 to Yuma. Oh, right. There's some, maybe, Yuma. I don't even know if that's that. But yeah, that one's pretty good. Um <laughs> I'm out. I'm out yeah. now. I'm sure there are yeah, more, there, but we have nothing but time to get. Yeah, the we'll get together, it out. I'd so. like people to tweet at, at going okay. off track and give us some more. That'd be fun. Um, yes, exactly. So, so, so I know we already talked about like you know the fact that we're not or you know forcing yourself to be overly productive or trying to you know fight that urge, uh, but mm-hmm. but you know say this virus wasn't happening what would you be working on right now? Like mm-hmm. what's your, what's your head into right now? Well, that's what's, it's funny. Cause I joked with, um, a friend who's helping me with the pilot that I'm writing, which I will describe in a minute, but I was like, what's so annoying about this is like, it's come at the perfect time. Like I have to be like, I, I actually have so much work that I'm supposed to be doing from home. And so I find, uh, I, I feel I feel like uh, almost irritated that now I have no nothing to excuse my not doing it. Like it's <laughs> there was some great meme that went around early in this where it was like inter it was like introverts in normal times and it was sort of a cartoon character being all shy and retiring and like I can't I can't and then introverts the next frame was like introverts when they're told they can't go anywhere and it's like the same character with their eyes bulging like banging against the walls <laughs> and the windows in their house like that's how I right, feel I'm right. like I'm such a shut in by nature and kind of a a, a little bit of a I go out for real in normal clothes once a week type of person and be a human. And then like the, I just need a lot of alone time. And so it's funny to notice that I have all this work that I'm supposed to be doing and I have no, I'm really actually quite busy and I don't want to do any of it because now I'm being told that I have to and everyone (laughs) else is staying home too. I'm like, that's just rude. Like this is staying home and doing this is my beat. Like I can't have everyone else doing it. (laughs) Um, I feel kind of, but to, I mean, to answer your question, like, so I'm writing a pilot script for a scripted series, um, based on meet me in the bathroom. Um, which is a weird thing. People are always like, well, so is it about bands? And it's like, not really. It's basically set in the world of the early 2000s in New York and kind of the, the sort of fabric of, of the world that meet me in the bathroom illuminates or tries to illuminate, but it's not, it's about three, well, three to four. I'm still working on it. Um, young women who have come to the city wanting to be like in with, you know, it's a classic story of come to New York, want to make something of yourself, creative dreams, ambition, like all of that. Um, so that's really, that's a main thing I'm supposed to be working on and, and continue to be like, I'll be done this week. And then I'm not. (laughs) Um, and then (laughs) that's been going on for a while. 
And then, I mean, I up until, and then I'm writing, a, I'm doing, I'm writing another book. Um, although I oh, really cool. haven't done any work on it. Like not really, this is now, hopefully my editor will not be listening to this. Um, no, I have, but it's like, it's a memoir basically about, um, that time about being young in New York city, but also about death. And like, I, my ex-boyfriend and really dear sort of friend and mentor died right before meet me in the bathroom came oh, wow. out and he was a big part of my life and a big part of the book. And so it's sort of about like understanding youth as in general, as through the frame of like loss sure. and, 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 and the kind of cycles of mourning that I've learned to see life as containing more generally, like whether death in the most extreme sense is a part of that or not, like you don't, the whole nothing lasts forever thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of an eternal theme. So in theory, I'm working on that, but really what that means is I just like, I've written some stuff, but mostly I like make notes and read old journals and I'm like, Oh, this is painful. And then I, you know, yeah, I'm like, right. is it five o'clock yet? Can I open wine? Right, right, um, right. so that, and, uh, I'm working on some podcasting like everybody else trying to get some, I have had a couple of ideas for a podcast that I really want to do. And so I'm working on that and like other, you know, I'm in, I'm in LA, I, I'm still doing journalism, but that's basically on hold at the right. moment because nobody can leave their sure. house. So that's been a bummer. Like I had a bunch of cool reporting stuff that I had wanted to do this summer that is obviously not going to happen at the moment. So, um, yeah, yeah. but I have a couple other ideas, um, for magazine related content that I think would be like, I really want to do something on the 19th amendment. I've been trying to get that off the ground for a while. The, a uh, hundred year anniversary of women getting the right to vote of the amendment being ratified uh, is this summer. Oh, wow. Um, and I've been, yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, and just like agency, political agency for women in America and really how, how little time we've actually had it. And also, what it's what it actually has looked like over those hundred years to what what the realities on the ground, so to speak, are about political like access to having a voice in your government. Like the the sort of in the through line for this for me or the beginning of it was thinking about how my mom could not have had the life that I've had. Mm. And I don't mean like because she's a different person or she right, but I mean right. literally like couldn't have rented an apartment yes. on her own in New York in her twenties, like stuff like that, just practicalities. Sure. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where those are some of the projects that have my attention. But like I said, mostly I'm baking and feeling. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, I think, I think the trick, right. After all we've discussed in this hour, the trick is yeah. where you put that terror, right. It's like, it's like, you're going to have it. You're going to feel out of control. It's going to happen. And the only choice we're given right now is where we decide to use that energy, right? Like, like we're not, we're yeah, not really given exactly. any more choices for, for that. Um, I love the idea of the, the book yeah. about uh, young women, you know, coming into the city. Um, almost reminds me of like a, like an Arthur Narcissian story or something. Um playing out like early, yeah. which is super cool. And it's also basically like uh, what my wife did as well. So I would <laughs> be really interested Good. to read something like that. I think it would be really cool. She better watch out. I might be calling her. Hey, for like but to tie it in, I just, you know, I'm doing some <laughs> Googling on you prior to this interview. 
And I hadn't realized that yeah. you penned a Lady Gaga book, uh, like, like a I coffee did. table book. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you know this, but my you know wife who runs a, a company called New York City Sex Trash, does custom lingerie and stuff. She made the, uh, the panties for the Born This Way video. I do actually know this because I am a fan of your wife's work and nice. her business. And I'm always like, and, and, uh, I've somehow I, from whenever she, I mean, she's had the company for quite a while sure, now. I yeah. feel like how, I don't know how, how long. Yeah. Well, I met her. I a mean, while. Good so 12, I remember, 13 years now. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. What an incredible success story. I mean, that's, it's just really inspiring, but, um, I, I remember somehow putting two and two together, like, oh, God, that's so wild. And she, I mean, Lady Gaga was, so I used to go to this, uh, like this, this club, I guess, called the Slipper Room on the Lower East Side quite a lot. Um, because yeah, yeah. it had like the, the people who ran it are old friends of mine. And they, so it, it had a lot of crossover with, kind of my side of the music world that I was into, like bands would play there occasionally, or like we would, we would, it was a place where we could have a DJ night if people wanted to, if someone felt like throwing a party, like, or birthday and stuff like that. So it was there a lot. And she was like, Gaga was around, right, you know, yeah. in, in those years, in the time of kind of the yeah, yeah, and Interpol and strokes and stuff like that. She was also in the mix and the Lori side and she was dancing there and stuff. Uh, so we, I mean, it, it, it's not like you put, it was later that I, I did not know that at the time. I didn't know her or anything like that. But I remember thinking later, like, oh, this is such a cool in New York stories and the sort of myth making about New York. There's always this um, way in which, in retrospect, it feels neat and tight, like A led to B, you know, like there's is, whatever. If it's a Maxis Kansas City story or if it's CBGBs or if it's Mercury Lounge in my particular era, it's like, well, see, there were all these kids and they they all had a dream about making real music again or whatever. And it's sort of, it's like, and then later we had this other scene bubble up and that's not really how, I mean, the cool part I think about thinking about Gaga in that context is that everything's always happening on top of elf in a, in a city that is, has real life and vibrancy to it. Like all kinds of things are, there are really interesting people making, having the beginnings of their stories in opposition often to whatever is later going to get written about as the sort of like founding or as the sort of uh, dominant narrative of that particular yeah, time. And right. she's a good example of that in that, here's this like unbelievably once in a generation pop star talent who's kicking around during this time when New York has what some will later say is a very vibrant mu music scene. And she's just kind of like not in that she's in, she's like not there yet. Yeah, she's not with right. her, her full voice yet. And it takes, she's on her own path, like following a different story. That's also a part of the sort of concentric circle circles of New York life in that time. So anyway, yes, this is all a long-winded way of saying that I then later, part of my <laughs> weird New York story is that I was offered the chance to write like some sort of essays for a coffee table book that this publisher was putting together about her Gaga's sort of the, the high high concept nature of her approach to fashion oh, okay. and the kind of like literary intellectual elements of it. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a really fun thing to, you know, take a bunch of Adderall and do for a month, <laughs> which is what I did. <laughs> oh, that's very, that's so, very fitting. Uh, are, are, you, are you technically a little monster? 
Ah, oh, I think I'm, I don't, I mean, I think I'm too, I'm not the right era. Exactly. I wouldn't say I'm too old, but I would say like, she came to me. I mean, I, yeah, like I was, it was too, I was, I was already too into my own. I'd already picked my heroes when, (laughs) when she emerged. So I would say I'm more, you know what I mean? Like, it's more like, I'm just an, I'm an, I'm an admirer and a, uh, uh, a kind of like, I don't know. What would I, I just respect her. Like, that's really sure. it. Like, I really respect what she's done. Um, and I think her approach to, meaning this is earlier and this is the era that we're really talking about, but like, especially her approach to ownership of sexuality and all of that. Like, there's. Right one of the things I can never figure out is how we lost the plot on that. Like when I was yes. a teenager in middle school, like we had all this, there were all these powerful women in rock and yeah. it was a much more sexist time in a lot of ways, but there were a lot of people to kind of see being the, being what I would say is a more full spectrum articulation of, of their femininity in public and being praised for it. And that, I didn't, it went somewhere. Like, but by the time I was in my twenties, yeah. it was like, where is everyone? And I, yeah, right. you know, good on her, um, for really making some space for that, for herself and for other people. Yeah. hundred um, percent. I you know. just had talked about that with somebody the other day, uh, standing up for Madonna. So I'd been ma- making mm-hmm. a, um, in my other podcast, we decided to have some fun and do a March madness bracket of the greatest albums of all time. <laughs> I thought we were being clever and it turned out everybody and their fucking mothers made a March Madness bracket for something. <laughs> uh, but I actually had to fight really yeah. hard to get like a virgin on this bracket. And, and that, yeah, and that was the contention I made from the start. I mean, it's like, like this record and this person, like literally redefined, uh, uh, mm-hmm sex and femininity in the mainstream. Like, how is that not Mm -hmm. like incredibly important? Not to mention the fashion Mm -hmm. iconography, which I still people, I still see people sweating her shit all over the place. You know, Madonna's still cool. Totally. Still the coolest. Totally. So I think about, yeah, yeah. I think about, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, I think about um, one of my favorite movies ever, probably in my top, well, I don't know. When you get into the top lists, you get into dangerous territory. But in the top 10, I'd say, is Desperately Seeking Susan. Beautiful film. And um, I mean, and I, especially now that I'm writing about, I mean, I'm always writing about New York, but I had been feeling like writing about New York in the early 2000s again in all these different ways that I'm doing. Like sometimes it's hard to make that feel fresh because it's like what I, I lived it. And now I'm continuing to sort of make art about it and like, Oh, and then one of the things that's happened in the wake of this pandemic situation is that it feels fresh again, because the appeal of the time is more, even more potent because it felt so much freer Mm. than obviously what we're living in, but also just (laughs) like, I mean, for obvious reasons, but also somehow it's like made that feel fresher to me again, which is nice. And one of the touchstones I always, I mean, I have like these sort of still shots from the, like from the set of Desperately Seeking Susan on my bulletin board when I write. Like, it's one of the touchstones. Because it's just, even though it's not the same era, of course, it's not about that. It's about this spirit of what she inhabited and continues to inhabit and is a kind of, like, 
I don't know, archetype stand in cipher for like you can always there's a thing that she is that she represents that she allows you to access by working her yeah (laughs) and i'm like no one else she still owns that space it's only her you know and like you want you need a little madonna in this it's like a spice or something it's missing some some madonna so that i i'm glad that you're defending her and i i uh I, um, I'm on your team on this one, so, <laughs> for whatever it's, it's worth. worth a lot. Um, so, okay. all right, so we, we should wrap up soon. And the thing I wanted to ask <laughs> was, like, sure. you know, what are, like, things that you're, like, telling yourself day to day to kind of convince yourself to have some hope, convince yourself to, like, do the best you can, like, what are some tools or, or mm-hmm. things that you're telling yourself that are kind of working for you and working to make you feel a little better? Mm. Well, I mean, I could make jokes about, you know, like tequila and cookies being on that list, which they are. But, and I do think like honest in the, in the more positive way, like being in your kitchen and being outside and like working, I have a little garden here and I've been working in nice. the garden. Like natural, just, Stuff that in the yoga world you would say is like lower chakra stuff, like just things that make you feel grounded um, and that are about putting your hands in the earth and making your own food and all that is like an actual therapy. Um, So that um, makes me feel more, puts me in a better place to be capable of hope and meditation and all that stuff that I normally do. But honestly, like, I mean... I, I'm actually going to quote you back to yourself here in, as an answer to this. I was thinking about this while we were talking. I was once in a... I tweeted something out about how many books I've not read and how much anxiety that causes me. So this is from a pre-corona era. There was still lots of anxiety. Right. You know, um, We didn't just invent it this month. Right. Um, and it was about things like books and how many you're going to read. And you tweeted back something like... I said something like... Sometimes I just stay up at night, you know, very dramatic, worrying about all the books I'm never going to get to and uh, wondering if I'm ever going to get to read them all. And you wrote back something like, you won't. (laughs) And I was like, like, dude, way to pick me up. And you you wrote back this like wise thing. You were just like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I thought that was going to be a relieving thing. Like, you won't. So don't worry about it. Right. And honestly, that is how I stay positive. A version of that paradigm is like how I feel now. Like I don't, it's not that things are okay, but there's a lot of comfort in facing that. Yes. And in, and yes. I think to in keeping with what we've been talking about earlier in our conversation, like they already weren't okay. They were not okay. Yeah. And in the ways that you're thinking, like income quality, the way this is hitting communities of color versus not versus white community communities, the things it's revealing about the interior of our politics and what people really care about. And, you know, members of our government selling stocks in advance (laughs) of this while telling everyone, I mean, all that stuff is like, it's the same way that I feel about after Trump was elected and I was very upset. And I remember, um, my ex, actually, the one who died, who I'm writing about, like he said, I was freak. I was very upset. He sort of at a certain point got sick of me complaining. And he just said, you know, Lizzie, it's a contest. And he won. 
and you have to, and I was like, oh, you know, like, ouch. But it's like, (laughs) this is where we have been living. This is the world that we have been in. And yes, there's a disease and yes, that's a new element. But so much of, I think for me, at least so much of what is giving me anxiety is partially the, the, the things that will go back that will change. We will not have to be in our houses forever. There will be things that will, that are causing me stress that will release, be released. Financial stress. Hopefully I'll be able to work and that'll be a little, you know, I'll feel a little more stable, but the bigger things are not going anywhere. And I find that actually weirdly quite hopeful because I think where I feel like I'm being forced to contend with stuff that will leave me hopefully on the other side of this feeling like, yeah, I'm not going to read all those books. Okay. So what do I want to do now? Like uh, with that information in my pocket, how am I going to live? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, that's my dark hope for you. That's good. (laughs) Straight. That's good. From Benny himself. Um, And let me tell you another thing that might free you a little bit. Okay. I started a policy a few years ago that if I'm, if I started a book and I'm a good hundred, 150 pages, in and it's not grabbing me and I don't <laughs> think it's great, I'm going to flip to the end, read the last five pages and fucking move on with my life and I'm not going to feel bad about it. Oh my God. <laughs> and Dude, it is awesome. Oh. <laughs> it feels... What a, what a moment. Is this is this what we've earned for all our decades on this planet? This is where we yeah. this is what we get to do now. This is the kind of freedom that we can enjoy. Yeah. I love it. I'm going to try to model myself off. Yeah, of this, I think I think about these little describe. things all the time. I'm like I spent 40 years practicing to mm-hmm. to get good at, you know, uh getting knocks out of shoelaces, uh open Opening an avocado perfectly, you know, and then getting everything out of it right. Uh, You know, things like this where I'm like, you know, dying is really annoying because I just got good at all this stuff. So, uh, you know, that's why I I appreciate just trying to take the pressure off yourself for something as simple as getting punishing yourself to get through a shitty book. You know, it's just not worth it. Yeah. Like, no, like, just don't. Okay, I'm in. I'm into this. I love it. I, I, I have a pretty good policy about that, but I'm going to feel, I feel like now that I have uh, your support, I will be braver <laughs> in this area. Yeah, give me a text if you need some back. I'll, I'll support you. Right. Okay, I will. I'll be like, I'm, I want to stop. I want to stop. I can't Help. stop. <laughs> it's so bad. I can't <laughs> stop. Uh, <laughs> Right. Well, thanks for asking me to do no. this. It's a fun, bright spot in uh, to punctuate all yeah, of this. I'm so glad. thank same you. For me. Cool to cool to chat. Yeah, with you. same. All yeah, right, thanks, cool. Lizzie. Well, um, good luck with everything, and and uh, thank yeah, you. Stay in touch. Stay safe. All right. Okay. Sounds good. You too. Bye. I need more entertainment in this time. You should. We should dress up for each other when we're doing this. <laughs> I've already surprised uh, you with a couple, okay. a couple secret audio. You're gonna files. be, you're gonna be sorry that you, uh, you just said that. No, I'm not. Listen, <laughs> I don't know if I'm revealing too much. You can edit this later. But Brad and his family are the kings and queens of the Christmas card. <laughs> they know how to dress up. They know how to stage events. We do, we do. They we, co- you, I, so I, I'm gonna. I should send you this video. I think you'll appreciate this. I have a kind of a neurotic friend of mine who fled. With his family at the beginning of this whole thing, right? And um, he had given this neighbor the keys, but the neighbor didn't, like, the neighbor was ready to leave or something. She didn't, this was Monday, right? 
Okay. The short of it is he wanted me to go get the keys and check in on his apartment, make sure that there was no flooding or anything. So I took the kids and I took a bag of um, props. <laughs> and I made this video where I was like, I started at the front door. I'm like, okay, dude, I'm here at your apartment. I'm just going to like, I'm going to actually videotape my entrance just so you know that like, that I didn't fuck anything up if there's anything oh, fucked no. up. And then I come in and I put all this, like, I just went around the whole apartment going like, there's your stereo. Kitchen looks good. And dude, and I had the kids like hiding and like, I, I kind of pan past the hallway and this tarantula goes tearing down the hallway on a, that I, that my daughter was pulling on like a fishing line. Oh and then God. like, I'm like, there's your stereo. And as I turn away from the stereo, this super creepy doll like looks up from behind this couch. Uh. And, uh, and it was just, I made everything small enough that like, if you were looking at it on the iPhone, you might be like, wait a minute, what's that? Yeah. yeah but yeah. if you like took your time and zoomed in, you were like, oh shit's fucked up. And then the final Dude, thing was like, I just, as I went past the kitchen, there's my daughter like laying on the floor face down, like just super <laughs> fast. <laughs> and I also yeah. went, went past, he had this, he has this big wine rack. I took all the bottles out of it and put them in the closet. And I just kind of pan past it slow without like. That's funny, man. You are really, harassing. It was you're really, like a, it was hilarious. He was you like. You guys are, that's your thing, isn't it? You're yeah, a harasser. <laughs> I like that. You just like to... So what is it? You just like gauging people's response? Or is it like you've just given up on life just enough where you like to make fun of everything? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm always... I'm entertaining myself constantly, I think, is what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I once... Uh, I remember prior to having a real mustache, I would rock a fake mustache a lot. <laughs> Just to kind of like gauge reactions and That's see what people one. did. That's a pretty Just good wear one. it on the subway. I tricked Alex Rosamelia from Gaslight once. We were recording American Slang. I'm sitting on the subway platform and he walks right by me and I go like, Sup, fella? You know, like gave him like a creepy little thing and he looks over, whoop, look right back like a squirrel. I'm like, What's up, dude? And he's just like, what? what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. Just having some fun. Life is boring, you know? Uh, <laughs> you got to do it, man. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I enjoy it. So if you show up next time for one of these rocking a little something-something, I think it'll things be good for the whole project, honestly. All right. I'll remember that. I don't have a lot of props laying around in my uh, yeah. Cabo Beach home, you know? I know. Now over there in Portugal. Yeah. It's nice, though. <laughs> so, uh, Lizzie, that was awesome. I hope people feel smarter because i felt smarter just after having that conversation yeah, with her she's a good um, one yeah for sure man and she you know she's working on some stuff they're working on making uh meet me in the bathroom kind of like a docuseries which i think would be awesome yeah you know she explains some of the other projects she's working on anything when she winds up in magazines writing pieces are always super good so and should keep an eye out for her. She's Lizzie D. Goodman right. on Twitter and Instagram. Any other socials we need to mention? Are That's we TikToking it. yet? That's what she's got. Okay. I didn't see any of that. I um, think we got to get a TikTok soon. That's that's what the... Oh, God. I can't keep that. <laughs> that's what the kids are doing, man. All right. If the kids are doing it, then uh, I'll let you do it. Don't we got to stay fresh in oh, this game? Yeah, but Come on. Come on. So... Yeah, there'll be more of these. We continue to uh, yeah, keep do an interviews eye on our, and our 
as you're our as at you, home series. Yeah, as you're picking up on, this is kind of a bonus episode. We've got another bonus episode in the can that'll probably be released before our regular release next week. Um, yeah. So yeah, we may relaunch Patreon because we're getting some very generous donations. Yeah, it's pretty um, awesome. And uh, on our Venmo account, we have a Venmo account at Off Track. If you are interested in supporting us, we do have a few costs, which for, are certainly covered for this month. Um, but yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, but it helps we, we to keep be, a podcast coming out. Yeah, so maybe we'll put the Patreon back on and keep like some decent tiers that aren't too expensive, because then we can also blow out some of this bonus content that um, yeah, we've got. Yeah, be awesome. Listen, we're not. Brad and I, we're, we're not looking to sit on gold toilets here, you know? We just want to put out a good podcast that's free for people, and sometimes it helps. Yeah. You know, money helps yeah. sometimes. But this one was cool. It actually... So, Steph Sen- Stenland... Yeah, that was amazing. ...sent us uh, a really generous donation. Thank you and so said, much. Can Benny please do a weekly motivational speech during quarantine? Thanks, guys. <laughs> I sent that to my wife, just being like, hey, isn't that nice? I thought that was really nice. And she's like, oh, you should do like a regular segment where you drop like a... And I'm like, no, that's weird. I'm like, that sound, that reminds me of... Was it Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy? Benny's or good news. Na- yeah. And today, here's Benny's and good today, news. I'll make a little jingle news. for it. Yeah. That's so much pressure. Like, you know, what if I was having like the darkest sardonic day and I have to be like, listen, this is what you should find positive. Our bodies will decompose into the ground and come back as something else. Have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> Benny, but, I think just your voice. Is I'm gonna, gonna be try. A I'll try. I'll try. I'm gonna keep trying. It's all we can do. <laughs> and rest in peace, Brian Dennehy, 81 years old. Phew. Willie Loman. Yeah. R.I.P. A lot of things. Tommy Boy's dad. But uh, yeah. Well, thanks for listening, and keep an eye out for all the other stuff. Do you have any other socials you need no, to say? I think Our that's socials. Good for now. We'll be yeah, you know, just. Goingofftrack.com, it's all there. All right, and you you best be fucking dressed up next time I see you. I'll try. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.